You're listening to the Inbound Logistics Podcast with today's guest, Jim Dempsey, National Sales Director for Panasonic. Consumers who once appreciated two-day shipping have now come to expect next day and often even same-day delivery. In order to keep up, shippers have reinvented their supply chains with better technology, more comprehensive data, and revised reverse logistics processes to help improve customer satisfaction. Jim Dempsey, National Sales Director for Panasonic, explains how these tools can help make the shipping process easier for consumers in 2020 and beyond. Joining me today on the Inbound Logistics Podcast is Jim Dempsey, National Sales Director for Panasonic. Jim, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. Glad to be here. It's great to have you. So today we're going to be talking about something that as a consumer I'm appreciative of, making the shipping process easier for consumers in 2020. Oh, first, Happy New Year. Happy New Year as well. <laughs> New decade. Yes, yes. So, uh, Jim, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, give us a little bit of info about your background and uh, what your role at Panasonic today uh, really entails. Sure. Um, I've been uh, actually Panasonic now just going about 10 years, so for the past decade, I guess. Um, but my background comes from a supply chain logistics background, so I've been in supply chain logistics in a variety of capacities for about 25 years. Um, so those ranging from software, warehouse management software companies, to um, systems integrators, as well as you know, OEM uh, manufacturers like Panasonic that deliver solutions to the overall logistics space. And my role here at Panasonic is a, is a national role. Okay, great. So let's talk about the consumer demands. How have consumer demands changed the way that products are shipped today? Yeah, that's, it's, it's been really interesting watching uh, what was called Omnichannel and then some other names as we move forward, uh, you know, to connected supply chain and, and, uh, and other things, right? You know, high velocity type of uh, supply chain that we're seeing today. And, and really, if you look at the, they call it the Amazon effect. And I think most folks have kind of heard that term out there. You know, that Amazon effect, you know, it, it used to be fine if I ordered a toothbrush and I could get it in a week now because I can get it in two hours. Well, maybe I'll select that, right? That option. And so, you know, the, the immediacy, you know, on demand, like Uber, and you think of those kind of applications that are giving consumers on demand very quick access to what they're looking for. You know, that, that obviously in the supply chain space, you know, is carried over and put a tremendous amount of pressure on the back end supply chains for the various manufacturers, OEMs, retailers, you know, to really to meet the consumer um, need and want to have something when they want it, where they want it, um, you know, in an immediate uh, format and uh, time frame. Yeah, that time frame really is... Uh, something that companies have to deal with. But as that increased demand signal becomes more and more popular, I mean, we have one day shipping, we have, like you mentioned, two hour shipping. What challenges are companies facing with regard to their supply chain operations? Yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a number of different pieces that, that uh, go into that. You know, one is, um, you know, the supply chains, you know, as you look at the, the evolution of how they work, you know, going to the lean supply chain, you know, just in time manufacturing, and all that, um, saying, okay, I'm going to keep as lean as I can. But then what happens is, and now we go into, well, that was great, right, because it saved costs, but then they weren't faced with these very short delivery times and windows. Now with that uh, that in place, you know, that that expectation that it kind of blows the just-in-time stuff out of the, out of the water, right, because you're going to need to have stock. You can't order it and have it, you know, built and shipped to you when the customer clicks go. You need to be able to ship it to them when they say go. So, you know, the, the visibility has been really critical um, in building visibility across the supply chain so that, you know, number one, from, from the clicks on the consumer side all the way through to the manufacturers overseas that are making the products that, that are being sold, having the visibility throughout that to see what the demand buying signals are coming through, looking at analytical data, you know, trends, forecasts, and so forth, to try and hopefully position product 
you know, as close to the consumer as possible so that when they do click go, you can deliver it immediately as opposed to the old model. So um, it's changing completely how, how supply chains work and visibility is, is really the, at the top of the list for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Other than visibility, are there any types of technology out there that can help this whole delivery process? Yeah, if you look at kind of the nature of, of how you know, people are building out their supply chains for visibility, it really comes down to you know, points of activity and where, where things are happening. And that's, you know, we call it the, uh, the outer layer or the smart layer. It could be barcode scanning, it could be voice, uh, it could be RFID um, and other types of technologies, right? Where all that data is being collected in the outskirts of the, call it the enterprise or the, the retail environment supply chain. And then also combining that with looking at what's happening on the buying side. So by putting in kind of a, call it a control tower dashboard that allows you to see those different things, you know, that, that gives you the visibility. But really where you start at is at that hardware level again, in the trucks, in the warehouses, at the manufacturing facilities, because as good as your predictive data is on the back end that you're looking at in your, say, control tower, if you're not getting the real-time data from what's happening in the manufacturing facility, on the docks you know, of your warehouses, in you know, the yards of your warehouses, or inside your warehouses, it's almost impossible to effectively you know, give uh, credible delivery dates and hit customer expectations without it. All these goods are going out so quickly. What about on the other side of that when uh, the companies have to deal with returns? Uh, how are they handling that, and how can reverse logistics really help with that? Why is that important? Yeah, I mean, that's, it's really interesting. You're going through the last, this Christmas season that we just went through, you know, UPS put out some statistics, which I thought were kind of stunning, you know, where they said 20, they're, they're going to have a 26% increase in returns this year. Oh, wow. so you think about the volume that a UPS ships, you know, 26%, that's, that's millions of millions of packages. So you know that those are all coming back to warehouses, right? So typically in a in a traditional warehouse of, of, of the old day, right, you'd have your traditional lanes and you're shipping, you know, to stores, shipping to regional distribution centers, uh, maybe you're shipping to some consumers, you know, from there. Um, but today, what you see in many warehouses is they'll actually dedicate a line or two to just online ordering, right? Because a lot of those orders, most of them are one to two two items, as opposed to in the old days, you could have a big line because you're shipping pallets and big boxes of things to everybody. So they've already, you know, had to have kind of, uh, it's impacted the outbound side by having these dedicated lanes for those types of activities. But then also there was always, you know, a little lane where the returns would come in, right? And it really wasn't that big a deal. No one really paid too much attention to it for the most part, although there's a lot of cost savings and, and opportunities there, you know, traditionally. But in this new market where we have so much going out in eaches, meaning one single product, and then all that coming back, now effectively planning, you know, you look at labor, space, and all the things that cost, the fixed cost of a, a warehouse and logistics operations. Now we've got, you know, a, a big amount of product coming back that has to be dealt with, right? And so knowing what's coming back, where it's coming back, essentially what condition or not it may be in, being able to balance your, your activity as far as, you know, your labor for the folks that are, you know, outside pulling the, the containers up to the warehouse, the people who are loading it, people who have to sort it, you know, what you have to do to dispose of that or redeploy it, you know, that's, that's, a huge thing right now, you know, for these uh, retailers to take advantage of some real opportunity there. But again, it goes back to when I talked about earlier, having the, the sensors, right. And whatever that sensor might be smart sensor, it could be a mobile computer, it could be a handheld tablet, RFID portal, you know, the list goes on having that, those kind of touch points out there, sending that data back so that the supply chain is smart and knows what's coming um, is the key to handling that. You know, the next layer is having, you know, the network connectivity really where, you know, you have your Wi-Fi network in the warehouse, you've got 4G, now 5G coming. Uh, many manufacturing plants, a lot of the machines are now, you know, connected uh, as well to the network. 
So, you know, the network becomes the transport mechanism for this data. And really the first step is for a lot of people is just getting sensors out there and starting to collect the data, right? That's kind of the first step. And then once I've got the data, the devices out there, I've got the networks out there, it's coming back into some sort of a, a database, right? Most folks are looking at say a database, data warehouse to take these feeds from a lot of different systems, but you know, they could be, you know, Linux systems, you know, to Windows systems to others, right? Coming back in and then taking that data. Now that I've got this data, they need to say, okay, I've got it. So which data is important to me, right? Because again, you have this giant pile of data, which is great, but then you have to start making decisions on what is actually useful data. Now, some of it may be useful, meaning I can put it aside and look at it later. Other pieces of data need to be dealt with right away, right? So that's where you know some of the dashboards, um, Tableau software, a few other companies like that out there. You know, when you layer on top of that data warehouse, the BI and AI, um, or actually really the BI first business intelligence, which helps you sort through that data and understand, okay, what's which data is most important needs to be actioned on, right? And then, you know, with the future trend right now, and some folks are starting to dabble in, and you see folks like JDA investing in their warehouse management company, but um, they're investing in AI, right? So I take the business intelligence, which now gets me away from taking an Excel spreadsheet and looking at what happened a couple months ago, trying to figure out what I'm doing moving forward to a BI environment where I'm getting more real time, right? I'm starting to look at things in more real time. And then AI takes it into the future where the system will, you know, I hate to say Skynet, right? From uh, the old uh, Terminator movies, but it becomes <laughs> self-aware, right? Where right. When certain conditions are met, certain actions are automatically taken by the system, and then alerts are simply sent to the users, to the, to the retailers, to say, okay, this set of conditions happened, and here's what, what was done to, to take corrective action. So that's kind of the, if you look at the hierarchy of the way things are going, you know, I would say, you know, many companies are now in the BI, and the bigger retailers are into the BI, crossing into the AI stage right now. Um, smaller retailers, smaller operations are probably at the point now where they've got their many sensors out there, they're collecting the data, and now they're trying to figure out, okay, what's the next step to action upon it and actually really get value out of it? Well, so let's let's go there. What is the next uh, step? What do you think are going to be the biggest trends going forward for the logistics sector in light of being able to have better access to all this data? Yeah, I, I think, you know, the, the model um, is, is interesting. The models of how, you know, they've Retailers have deployed. You know, the, now the every point within the in the uh, supply chain is a is a um, inventory location. If you think about it, right? So you have your manufacturing. You've got you know the the vehicles or or, or some sort of transport that's taking it from manufacturing to some sort of a regional center or warehouse, wherever it might be. Um, gets the warehouse. Obviously, that's that's the location in itself, and the many locations, sublocations. Um, from there, maybe it goes on to a vehicle that becomes a moving location. Say I take that to a smart locker, you know, around the corner from my house because I'm not going to be home. You know, that becomes another inventory location. Um, the stores, you know, shipping to store, you know, you've seen um, order online, pick up in store, or order online, return at store. You know, the stores become, you know, that uh, that inventory point. So again, it kind of does dovetails back to the visibility to, uh, concept I talked about, where you know the retailers and supply chain players out there having a system that can see from say where it's built to where it's delivered to my doorstep and everywhere in between all those different pockets of inventory locations, you know, can be tracked. And then you start looking at from a delivery perspective, you know, the drones, I call it autonomous vehicle or autonomous technology that's out there. Uh, whether it's robotics, it could be drones, you know, it could be uh, as, as simple as, um, you know, Uber drivers that have capacity 
you know, retailer could look into a, a shared network and say, okay, hey, I've got some package need to be delivered. My current network can't deliver that. So how about I, you know, go into this crowdsource environment and I can engage a, say, an Uber driver or one of these, um, they call it the, the gig society guys right now, uh, employ one of them to actually engage them and then deliver that for me, right? So I think you're going to see, a, a, you know, going forward, you know, a lot of that um, mixing and matching of, you know, traditional transportation means and then these other more called Uberish, you know, type deliveries, which could include, could be, a, you know, a drone like we talked right. about. Fascinating information. Uh, let's hope that uh, drones and robotics is where it stops and we don't actually get the Skynet cyborgs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if our audience wants to find out more information about uh, the trends and a lot of the stuff that you talked about today, where can they go to get some more information? Yeah, so Panasonic um, has a wealth of information you know, out there on our, our public websites. Um, I'm sure we can follow up you know, with uh, the URLs. You know, Panasonic.com in the U.S. Is, is, a, is kind of the main launching point for that. Um, we'll also be at the, uh, the largest retail event for the year in the United States is National Retail Federation, or NRF, and that'll be in New York City starting uh, next week, in fact. Um, we'll be there. So a lot of different ways in which to get access information. And we have several teams that are focused here in the United States specifically on the retail segment from back-end manufacturing all the way to the front-end store. Awesome. I will put the link to the website in the show notes, and uh, I'll also list the information for the, the dates of that uh, event as well. Jim Dempsey, thank you so much for taking some time out. Have a great day. All right. Appreciate it. Inbound Logistics Magazine is the information leader in supply chain and logistics management. Start your free print and digital subscription today by visiting bit.ly slash get il. That's bit.ly slash get underscore il and stay ahead of the 3PL game. The Inbound Logistics Podcast is a production of Inbound Logistics Magazine. For the most in-depth information around logistics, transportation, and supply chain practices, get your free print and digital subscription at inboundlogistics.com slash subscribe. Connect with us via LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube for the most current developments in the industry. If you'd like to leave us some feedback or have a topic you'd like to see covered in a future episode, call our dialogue line at 888-878-3247 or leave us an email at podcast at inboundlogistics.com. I'm your host, Jeff Vita. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time here on the Inbound Logistics Podcast.